0: another interesting intriguing we'll have to see edition of the Gobesky Wallace report I am Adam Gobeski and I am Charlie Wallace
1: today we have with us four hmm
2: um challenging
1: <laughs> challenging <laughs> <laughs> I mean certainly yes especially you right now <laughs> I challenge <Yes>. that notion.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: we have with us four challenging guests today we've got Doug Gobesky that's me Kevin Vredevogue Hello, great to be here. Tony Huff. Hey, how's it going? And Paul
0: Wilcox. It is great to be back. And so we are here to discuss the 60th installment Woo. of our long-running series, Chipping for Charlie. I've <laughs> <laughs> got here Sun Chips Chili Lime. New flavor, it claims. So I actually tried looking
1: for them, up. and I, I couldn't couldn't find them.
0: There, they smell spicy. Gonna eat one. Definitely get the chili and the lime. Not as sweet as I expected. I think I expected something a little sweeter. It's a little more uh backier tone, I guess. Whatever that is. Is that the umami? I don't even know. I'm just saying stuff. I'm gonna eat another. Yeah. Um, it's not terrible. I do like the lime. The lime complements it pretty well and that comes out reasonably strongly. I don't know that this is gonna replace any of my top-tier sun chip flavors, but uh Feels like a worthy addition to the Sun Chips canon. So I'll give it like a yeah, 6.5, maybe a 7 out of 10. And these are not limited edition, are they? No, I don't think so. It just says new flavor. It seems like, it. yeah. It seems like I've seen them around at some point yeah. in the past. So yeah, that is Sun Chips Chili Lime. And then by coincidence, it's also the 60th installment of our Mary Marvel Movie March. Woo! Which is slightly ridiculous that we got to 60 and we're not done. We are here to discuss the February 2018 MCU film Black Panther. Black Panther is the story of one Dennis Panther who decides that he would like to become a lion tamer. So he goes to the local zoo and they say, Well, we don't have lions, but we do have this Black Panther that you could tame. And he says, Okay, how hard could it be? And uh, since it's a snuff film, He discovers very graphically how bad it could be.
3: Really, a a departure for the MCU. Um, (laughs) For a second there, Adam, I was like, "Wow, I would actually watch this movie."
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's the ill-fated story of one Dennis. What I say his name was? Panther. Panther? Yeah, Dennis Panther. All right, eaten by a Black Panther.
3: It was. It was. Interesting that his name is Dennis Panther, and he wanted to be a lion tamer. It seemed like the name would have just, you know, informed him on being a panther tamer.
0: Maybe that's a draft artifact from earlier versions of the
3: movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Charlie, in three sentences or less, what's the actual synopsis of this movie? Uh, Kevin set the gold bar standard last time, so... <laughs> uh,
1: this is the story of T'Challa who is the son of T'Chaka, who was killed, as you remember, in Captain America's Civil War. So he becomes king of the African country of Wakanda, and he has to go find a weapons dealer named Claw, who has stolen vibranium, and also goes up against Killmonger, played by Michael B. Jordan, and has to fight to win back his throne.
0: All right. Claw, of course, everyone remembers from Age of Ultron, right? yes
1: kind of i'm sure kevin actually does but (laughs) i do no i do
4: (laughs) goes on a little rant about coddlefish or cuttlefish if i remember correctly
2: yeah yeah age of ultron and captain america civil war just blend together for me hmm
0: i feel like you're the first person i've ever heard say that but all right (laughs) i mean i can see it but uh, yeah he's the guy in south africa who uh has vibranium that ultron wants Oh, yeah. Okay, yes. Now I do remember that part. Uh, there might be a bowl of candy involved, vaguely. <laughs> uh, I feel like I would remember
5: the bowl. Of, why don't I remember the bowl of candy? Uh,
0: I don't know. Yeah. I must have slept through that. Unless I'm inventing things for my movie.
4: That's no, you're, you're pro sounds right. Yeah. I don't distinctly remember it. The thing that sticks out a little more is the getting his arm ripped off thing. But there may have been candy as well. Just really don't remember. Age I know James
3: age. Spader likes candy. Oh,
5: yeah, he does. He does like those uh, Fifth Avenue bars
3: that he takes with him yeah. through the Stargate. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've been watching a lot of Boston Legal lately. <laughs> <laughs> See a lot of Fifth <laughs> Avenue in <and> Boston Legal. <laughs>
1: Yeah. i don't explain why ultron <laughs> was just chomping down on all those candy bars even though he's <laughs> oh, <yeah.
5: laughs>
0: not organic
5: really like you know you don't you don't bring the candy bars into
0: your tent <laughs> <laughs> so once again the question had you seen this movie before i had i saw it in theaters and then you know the standard number of time i've watched mcu films black panther is no exception pretty sure this was a day of release purchase or at least week of release purchase so i enjoyed it
5: i think i saw it twice in the theater and then haven't actually watched it since so it was a treat to go back to it
1: i remember going to see this in the theater at the time because this heard so many people talking about it it was a cultural phenomenon it was fairly successful i think it came out in february
0: yeah that's what i said
1: yeah (laughs) so,
5: <laughs> I feel like I would remember if he had said that. Or... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I,
1: I think there's a fact I recall from several minutes ago. Yes, <laughs> I, think, I would
5: think I would remember that. It's like Age of Ultra.
1: And I remember wanting to go see this in the theater, so Car and I went, and it was a great time.
0: Wait, you remember wanting to go see it, and so you saw it. Is that what you said? I remember the story. Okay. Yet? Here, let me rephrase that. This <laughs> the only movie you saw not against your will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything else is Clockwork Orange style.
1: <laughs> I remember everyone talking about this movie when it came out, so I was excited to see it. Car and I went and saw this in the theater, and it was a great time. Okay. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I also remember everyone talking about this movie, but much like... All movies. I didn't end up going to see it. I started getting more into watching MCU movies with you all. And so I decided that this movie would be one that I would save uh, for this episode. So I've actually been looking forward to this particular episode for quite some time. And uh, it did not disappoint. I saw this one in
2: theaters, but it was a little bit of an odd experience in that I just was busy and hadn't gotten around to seeing it, and at some point, Avengers Infinity War came out, and I was like, do I need to see Black Panther first before I see Avengers Infinity War? And and I think Adam was like, yeah, it'd probably help. So I ended up seeing it at a Sunday night showing, and I was literally the only patron there oh wow like i think that's the only time in my entire life i've ever been the only person in a movie theater someday it'll happen to me
0: (laughs) (laughs) i thought when i went back to see an obscure documentary in the middle of a pandemic that i'd be the only person there but nope there was there was one other older guy and then there were two like people who basically looked like they'd walked in from jersey shore
4: uh yes i'd i'd seen the movie uh i'd found my fandango receipt while y'all were uh chatting uh, i nice. saw it on february 17th at 1 p.m i'm told that this released in february so that must have been opening weekend or darn close enjoyed the movie in theaters saw it a small handful of times leading up to probably infinity war and endgame and
0: uh yeah i've enjoyed it thoroughly each time so yeah black panther backstory so Black Panther as a comic book character debuts in uh, the fantastic four in 1966 or thereabouts. He is actually the first black superhero in mainstream comics. He might actually be the first black superhero of any comics, to be honest, but there might be some independent thing. I don't know preceding proceeding uh, the things like DC by like five years, I think, I think their first black superhero was uh John Stewart, one of the green lanterns. And, uh, Black Panther actually debuts a few months prior to the Black Panthers. The uh, I guess I don't know what you'd call them. Just a group.
2: Black Power Movement?
0: They actually, yeah, they debut. Uh, the character debuts slightly before they come around. Apparently it's just like a strange coincidence that they both chose the name Black Panther. At least this is what Stanley has claimed. His stated reasons for introducing the character were basically that he had a number of uh, friends who were black, and it occurred to him one day that there weren't any black superheroes, and he was like, "Well, that's weird. I should change that," and so he did, along with Jack Kirby, who uh, also designed Black Panther. And so uh, Black Panther, one of these characters that uh, I think had a smaller following. Uh, he doesn't tend to headline his own titles until like quite uh, later on in his history, fairly recently, actually. I think there's a Black Panther book in the 70s that runs for a few issues and then um, is quietly canceled. There's a couple then, like miniseries and short series. And then it's really until the late 90s, early 2000s that he starts to get his um, longer runs of stories and stuff. And this is, I think, partly because um, there's just certain comic book creators like Christopher Priest who are interested in doing more with the character. Other than that, he tends to be, uh, shows up in a lot of Avengers books, shows up in Fantastic Four supporting cast. He does have his own feature in some joint comic books, but they're never called Black Panther. Um, There's one that's called Jungle Action, uh, which despite the name of the book, apparently, well, not apparently, I've read the run, but um, the story within is actually very well done. So that's by Don McGregor. He's definitely popular with a subset of comic book readers. He's not like a main main A-list Marvel character, at least not until this movie, honestly, I think is what really elevates him between this and Civil War. So as far as Black Panther, the movie goes, there had actually been discussions as early as the early 90s. Wesley Snipes wanted to do a Black Panther movie, and basically every time he tried to explain it to executives, they From what he says, basically, they sort of stared at him in confusion Mm -hmm. because they weren't sure who would go see a movie about, like, advanced African nation and their king who's a superhero and stuff like that. So basically, at one point, while he keeps trying to pitch Black Panther, he eventually says, well, we could also do Blade. And they're much more on board with the idea of Wesley Snipes in an action movie stabbing vampires. So that's how Blade kind of goes. And then Black Panther kind of hits this limbo for a little bit. Uh, I believe it's one of the properties that Artisan Entertainment gets in their, uh, their little portfolio when they sign a whole bunch of Marvel characters in 2000, around 2000, but nothing really comes of that. And then when Marvel Studios announces, hey, we're going to start doing our own thing, Black Panther is one of the characters that they named that they want to have uh, do a movie of. It takes quite a while for that to get off the ground. It sounds like partly because they want to do some of the more well-known characters that they have the rights to. So Captain America, Iron Man, they kind of want to get those off the ground first. And also partly because uh, the head of Marvel, Mike Perlmutter, whose name you may recall, uh, he basically doesn't want to do a Black Panther movie or a Captain Marvel movie because uh, he doesn't think anyone will be interested in going to see them. So there's like leaked emails in that like big Sony leak. There's leaked emails from like Pearlmaner. He lists like here's a bunch of reasons why Black Panther and Captain Marvel like shouldn't get their own movies. And he's like, look at Electra, look at like Catwoman, like look how badly these movies did. People aren't interested in black superheroes or female superheroes. This movie kind of proves them wrong, I think, given that it's uh, I believe the highest grossing solo superhero movie of all time. So the reason that Black Panther and Captain Marvel went forward is because Disney reorganized how the Marvel Studios how like that whole like management hierarchy so that Kevin Feige didn't answer to Ike perlmutter anymore he was part of his own separate division and we actually know this because Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, wrote uh, a autobiography where he discusses some of that so so that's why it took a while to get a Black Panther movie and so once that kind of roadblock got out of the way, things started to progress pretty quickly they got Ryan Coogler on board to direct and the rest we know more or less it's just the rest is more or less standard typical here's how you make a movie
5: i like i like how ike pearl butter was it yeah I, I like how he's like see how all these um uh poorly made superhero <laughs> movies did
1: <laughs> as, as a
5: reference as if like well maybe if you made them good yeah. right
1: remember how we didn't give any resources to these movies <laughs> they yeah, turned out awful these, like <laughs> yeah.
4: The secret ingredient was not doing
0: a sh- job. Someone pointed out that this approach ignored superhero adjacent movies like Tomb Raider, which did pretty well. Oh yeah,
3: they also did a really good job with casting. Like every everybody knocks it out of the park. I yeah, I think one of the strengths of the Marvel Cinematic
0: Universe is casting, and this movie is certainly no different. We definitely agree with that.
3: And I didn't realize, like, how attractive Michael B. Jordan is. Like, now I know why he was sexiest man alive. It's because you were distracted by Miles Teller.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
4: I think it's nice that the Marvel Cinematic Universe was able to redeem yet another human torch. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I'm really looking forward to the MCU version of the Fantastic Four, and then them later casting that human (laughs) torch in some other role.
1: (laughs) I mean, Ryan Coogler had had experience with Michael B. Jordan before, so certainly wasn't a surprise that he showed up in this movie. And yeah, Chadwick Boseman. I guess I hadn't really heard of him before this, but then saw him in a lot of things afterward. I knew
0: of him from, he played Jackie Robinson in 42, which I think was a couple years before this. Mm -hmm. And so I knew him because of that. But yeah, that was about it for me.
3: Like, I, I definitely liked both, like, Chadwick Boseman and Michael B. Jordan, but I really liked that they established some of the female characters early on, and it was almost like, like, you knew Chadwick Boseman was definitely, like, the main character, but I felt like some of the female characters were developed enough where it was like, okay, they're, they're getting kind of this like equal play as well. I don't know. I, I really enjoyed that. Did anyone get like a similar vibe yeah. from oh, that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Brianne was cheering pretty much constantly. Yeah. Anytime there's a, you know, a Koye is on the screen or whoever.
3: Yeah, like and I thought, they did a really good job of like telling that story, fleshing the characters out. It seemed organic, is I guess what I'm trying to say. Like it wasn't forced or anything like that. And I I just really enjoyed like watching the female cast kind of kick some ass.
1: Was I realized too this time is that a lot of the comic relief comes through them, and not in a way that makes them the butt of the joke either.
3: Right it's almost like Bilbo Baggins is more <laughs> of the, the butt of the right, joke.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
6: <laughs>
3: yeah. But I, I uh, thought it was kind
5: of nice how they didn't go over the top with that either. You know, he's not like full C3PO
0: or something. Like, <laughs> <Yeah. he's... laughs> For the record, that character is named Everett Ross.
5: <laughs> <laughs> really hard
6: to think of. Him <laughs>
0: and, just the and, guy, and the character he is a, uh, he is, he is a, a Black Panther character. I assume that's why he's in this, because there's definitely moments in which I do occasionally wonder why is Martin Freeman in this? Oh, yeah. Other than...
3: <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking that, actually, about like after he stayed in Wakanda. Like, <laughs> why is this necessary? Like, I get it. You want to save him. You did it. I
0: know there were lots of comments at the time about the token white guy, but Daniel
3: Kaluuya is in it.
0: Um Andy Circus. Andy Circus. Yeah. Is he British? Yeah.
3: Or is he like Australian? Yeah. He's English. He's also in the Hobbit.
0: Thank you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Sorry, I'm really into Lord of the Rings yeah. now. <laughs> I mean, further
5: this this really this movie really is kind of, you know, I got some Lord of the Rings vibes from it. Not just strictly because of Andy Circus. <laughs>
2: They, they did have uh, the ring hanging from a chain, yeah. Yep, <laughs> ring from true? a
5: chain, there was snowy mountains, there was, you know, <laughs> yep. basically the Riders of Rohan moment oh, <laughs> at, the, at the end with, uh, I forgot, the with
1: uh, M'Baku. M'Baku, yeah. But yeah, having Everett Ross in this movie did seem kind of weird to me, too, because yeah, you wonder why he's there, and you just get the sinking feeling the whole time, it's like, did they just? want to have a white character in there like are are they trying to say like the white audience needs a white character to be there to identify with like that's what i was thinking the whole time it's like why
5: or is he is he like serving the role of the agent colson of the
1: right or is it something completely like benign reason
3: wakanda the u.s government
1: But whatever the reason is, it's not clear at all that he's needed.
3: You know, like, oh, you're a really good pilot. Kill these, you know, these people because they're going to get rid of these weapons. Or, yeah. or send these weapons out. So I sh- can
0: bring up your uh, conspiracy theory
3: um, at this point. <laughs> Thank
2: you. Um, yeah, that pretty much Ross in what he's doing in the third act is really, really disturbing to me. You know, because it's like, okay, so we have this CIA guy who's going to pilot a drone and murder a bunch of people and help save the day. You know, like his actions will help save the day, help the, help make the world a safer place. And like that just feels d- just super gross to me. Yeah, I mean, that they part did. Part of like- the
5: long-standing tradition of of uh, American interference in uh, yeah. foreign <laughs> civil wars, right? <laughs> I mean, essentially, what this is kind of in that scene.
3: It it does it does seem weird because yeah, Doug, I agree. Like he's like trying he he's basically trying to like investigate what is it, Claw? Uh, yeah. And then like changes, and then is like, all right, I'm I'm with you guys now. I just you know I just saw your king is dead, so I'm gonna believe everything. And and they're like, you were in the air force, drive this uh, future tech. Thing. <laughs> I'm a drone
5: strike pilot now. Who yeah. <laughs> you need me to take out
0: next?
1: Although to be fair, like I think um, the technology no, is we're designed. Not being fair. <laughs> well, <laughs> doesn't you're uh... allowed to be fair? Yeah. So Shuri says right before she puts him in the cockpit, like, "Oh, I've designed it like an American plane, or something along those lines." <laughs> yeah. So like oh, she I, can I change that. the setup she... of it. Yeah. Yeah. But Doug, you are right. It is weird that a movie that talks a lot about American interference and the world's interference in other people's cultures, just comes in there and starts (laughs) (laughs) knocking down their ships, even at their behest. That is, we've got the CIA agent helping out.
4: I think there's a lot at the end of the movie that will be weird if they just kind of gloss over it in the inevitable sequel. Like there was a straight up civil war in this country. As you say, there's a foreign operative shooting down their ships But, like, the little, like, halfway through the credit sequence frames everything as, like, we're all good. We just went through a little bitty civil war, and now we're revealing ourselves to the world after centuries of hiding, and, like, this is all fine. Like, if all of that is swept under the rug, I think that's going to be weird in retrospect. I'm going to withhold judgment until that sequel actually comes out to see what Kevin, they do with that.
3: Kevin, it was just a small insurrection. <laughs> <The> uh, <email. laughs> okay. So majority were fine. The majority were fine with it. I felt
4: safe the entire time. I don't know what you guys are talking <laughs> it was, about.
3: It was basically a tourist. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even finish that.
4: Oh. <laughs> There was a dig, I think, in that, like, middle of the credit sequence where, like, good leaders build bridges, not walls or barriers That that oh. ref- no, yeah, yeah, yeah. is a reference to. I, uh, yeah.
0: So someone, someone asked Ryan Coogler about that, and he said that it was actually a coincidence. Okay. Apparently it's roughly an African proverb that his wife found, and so he thought it'd be good. Hmm. But he didn't really deny the uh, timeliness, I guess, of it. Sure.
3: Well, I I will say that when Killmonger becomes king, it really felt like the twenty sixteen election for me. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I've been looking for how that felt, and now it's appropriately displayed. People just saying
5: deep state to run interference.
3: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Their new king. I definitely had that
0: feeling in the theaters watching that.
3: Did you really? I like,
0: yeah, I genuinely did, where I was like, oh, wow, there's definitely some parallels here about a system that's not designed for someone to just come in and try and destroy everything. Yes. Yeah, side note on that front,
4: uh, you can say what you want about American democracy, but beating the living sh- out of one another seems like a really bad electoral system for the most technologically advanced <laughs> nation on earth. <laughs> yeah, like, maybe they could have put a little bit of time and effort into uh, revolutionizing that as well.
5: You know, it, it's tradition. It sounds like they might institute some democratic mm.
3: reforms uh, after this incident. It, it's, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's mm. their electoral college. Everyone agrees with what you're saying, <laughs> but we've just done it for so long. Like, what will... What will the farmers think?
1: <laughs> I guess the the main reason that I didn't feel that, I didn't feel quite that way when I saw it was that I actually, I really liked Killmonger's motivation in this movie. I actually like really felt for him more than probably any of the other villains that we've seen in any of the movies so far.
0: I mean, there was definitely that hashtag trending for a while. Killmonger did nothing wrong.
2: Well oh, really?
3: <laughs> I mean... He tattooed his body with all of his kills. <laughs> those weren't tattoos. Those were scars. Well, wh- whatever you want to call it. Uh, so to say he did nothing wrong, I don't know if that's completely fair. Wait, wait, wait. Are you saying that Americans
2: operating overseas are doing things wrong? Is that what I'm
3: hearing from you, Tony? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't I don't think they're 100%. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no, Charlie, I agree. This, you I, know, I agree with what
0: you're saying, Charlie. Like Killmonger's motivations seem much more, like the way he goes about it isn't really good, but the reasons for doing it make make sense and are sympathetic in a way that Ronan in Guardians of the Galaxy or uh, Hela in Thor Ragnarok. So to me, like maybe the closest analog might be the Vulture in Spider-Man: Homecoming, where you can sort of see where he's coming from. He just goes about it and not the best way right
3: yeah well and i i think we're we're almost meant to feel a little bit for him especially at the end when you know black panther goes out of his way to like show him wakanda like as he's dying and like offers the olive branch of like hey like we can save you still the uh I don't remember exactly the line, but he
4: says something like you know Wakanda's this beautiful place my dad always told me I get to see it like yeah, um, just a silly kid from Oakland or something And that line actually did get to me a little bit like that was yeah I think he is certainly the most sympathetic villain in the uh, MCU at least thus so far yeah
3: and and the funny thing was is like when he's first introduced, I didn't realize that he was going to be the main villain. Like when he murders Claw, you're just like, whoa, like this guy's badass.
4: Even I was curious, it sounds like everyone's seen this movie before, but like the very opening of the movie almost seems like it's building up towards Gorilla Tribe M'Bakus, like that being kind of the main like antagonist. I, I was I agree. curious if anyone you know, thought they were leading us that way, and then obviously Killmonger kind of came out of left field.
3: yes. I, I I really thought that it was going to be this tribal uh, story. And I you know, obviously, you know, hadn't seen it and actually hadn't really like other than some of the, I guess, spoilers that come in later seasons, i I didn't really know the plot of this movie. And so, yeah, I, I thought it was it was gearing up for that. Yeah, I thought the
0: uh way they actually handle the Mbaku and the the Jabari, is that the name of their That sounds right. faction. Yeah. yeah, I thought that stuff was really interesting. I and mean, here's here's the part where I point out that Mbaku is also a uh, Black Panther villain, although uh in the comics he is at least initially known by the name Man Ape, which oh, I can't decide if it's specifically racist or just institutionally racist and i kind of think it's just institutionally racist i was actually going to ask when you were
4: providing some of the history of black panther like the the image that always sticks out in my mind of like early marvel comics african-american characters is that like meme of dr doom with uh uh luke cage Where he says something and I'm misquoting and I'm trying my best to quote it directly. I'm not being an awful human being, I hope. Uh, when I heard an angry black man was rampaging through my castle, I knew it had to be you. Where's my money, honey, is what Luke Cage says. Like, was Black Panther, because based on the story you told, it was like Stanley was trying to give more representation to the African-American community. Was early Black Panther kind of black y or was it kind of a more, at least at the time, progressive take
0: on African-Americans in comics? It's for a while at least it's pretty progressive so when he shows up in fantastic four he's a king he has his own strength he's specifically african not african-american and so i think that influences how stan lee writes him a bit sure uh then his main storyline in the aforementioned jungle action book uh, by don mcgregor is basically he gets challenged he gets a challenge to the throne it's actually Somewhat loosely, like the storyline here, where he like you know loses a challenge, is uh, presumed dead, comes back, something like that. It it's admittedly been a few years since I read it last, but there are a couple storylines later on where he like heads to America and gets involved in some more black exploitation stuff. Although not always, there's I'm pretty sure there's at least a couple issues where he's fighting Klansmen. Hmm. And then my memory in Hidden the Avengers is he's never really treated as something like that. Whereas Luke Cage is very specifically, at least initially, kind of a response to the black exploitation stuff. That's not really how Black Panther is portrayed. And I think that's partly because he actually predates a lot of that black blaxploitation uh, film stuff. Good, good, good question, you. though.
4: Thank you. No, that was a very interesting, uh, very interesting answer.
0: But yeah, I like the M'Baku storyline. I think Winston Duke is just great. Like that moment where they're all like they're like, yeah, we're gonna take back our homeland and he's just on his throne. He's like, what are you guys doing?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Or that he says he's vegetarian. Or he's just like laughing or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. But I like that aspect of the story too because, I mean, you get it in the main storyline with Killmonger, but they've got a wonderful thriving culture and yet like, they have this subsection that they've shunned and that the king hasn't visited in centuries i don't remember what he says some yeah. very long period of time so they're not above reproach Killmonger does have a point like they've got all of these resources and there are people suffering all over the world and why aren't they doing anything so i mean you see that you definitely see that with this tribe too yeah but i also thought it was great to set up the different tribes because it allows them to have like amazing costuming that's in this movie
0: yeah there's a lot of attention to costuming and set design that is just really like really really well done
3: yeah i say didn't it win a bunch of awards specifically for that uh i know it was nominated at least i thought i thought it it did really well in the awards um
0: yes it, it did win the oscar for best costume design
3: all right cool yeah
0: and best production design and best score and then it was nominated for Best Picture, Best Original Song, so We have to talk about that. Uh, best Sound Editing and Mixing. You
4: said it won for Best Score. Yes. yes. Oh, good, because one of the very limited notes I wrote down was that I absolutely loved the soundtrack. I mean, like the just the the more orchestral parts, the hip hop influence in there. This it stood out to me compared to all the other Marvel movies that I'd
3: watched yeah.
4: in this rewatch. Yeah.
6: yeah.
3: Yeah, I I agree. I don't I I don't think I I usually like take note on like score, but I I agree with like the yeah like the hip hop like I, I thought that was really done extremely well, and it's kind of peppered throughout uh, the movie.
1: Yeah, it's uh, Ludwig Göransson, and he I don't know if you've, any of you've seen um uh, the Mandalorian yet either, but he does the score for that, which is a great score. Oh, very like memorable.
5: Yeah, I know. I've now I have that and the Mandalorian theme in my head
1: forever if you were to play the score from basically any of the movies we'd watched with maybe the exception of Howard the Duck, this is one that I could definitely identify like immediately,
5: yeah, other than like because it's not strictly straight like i I don't it's yeah. underselling it to call the other movies like generic orchestral score
0: right, Because I mean, they yeah. all have
5: some degree of themes, but there's there's I'm not necessarily I, something distinctive other than like the main kind of themes that you can pick out.
0: I might be able to pick out Thor Ragnarok. If you gave me the Sakaar stuff. Oh, very, like very, it's got very a synth of influenced. Yeah. Electronic yeah. stuff. Yeah. If you it's gave me the Lord of the Rings parts that just sound like the best of Howard Shore, I don't know that I would have been able to point that part out, but Howard Shore is the composer of Lord of the Rings movies. Okay. Okay. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> So, one thing we kind of have mentioned, but haven't really discussed is uh it seems to me like Andy Circus is having a blast
3: <laughs> oh my God yeah I it's really say, I thought he was just absolute bonkers, like right. like that was like he's just he's lost it, spit flying <laughs> everywhere yeah, like almost gets killed in Korean and just like runs out that was awesome <laughs> i love- I
5: love that like. That's that like, row moment running say, out of the club, basically.
3: It's like classic <laughs> frat guy. I was like expecting him to go, "Let's go!" <laughs>
0: <laughs> I really like the part where he takes Everett Ross seriously, and he's like talking to this guy about, "Like, let's get him the
2: SoundCloud link because he's interested in <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my mixtape." <nickname. laughs> <laughs> um, I do have to ask: Does South Korea not have police? Like there's this extended chase scene, you know, cars being demolished and tons of accidents and not a single, you know, flashing blue and red light in sight. Wasn't that true in Age of Ultron as well? So do they just need superheroes in this universe because they don't have
0: cops? Maybe South Korea has a superhero act that says stay out of the way until it's over so you don't get killed.
5: Like this is superhero stuff. We spotted some superheroes like get out of the way. You're not gonna do anything but endanger more people.
0: <laughs> you know how like your cell phone has like a you know severe weather alerts that come through. Well in South Korea there's also a superhero alert that's like stay in your home.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <a weird> place. <laughs> yeah, I mean I guess I didn't think of it while I was watching, but yeah, that's a you make a very good point. Yeah. They, like...
5: <laughs> I thought it was really interesting that whole how, like, early in the movie, it's like, okay, this is a James Bond movie for a second.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
5: All the way from going through, like, Shuri's tech stuff. Yeah. You know, it's like the very Bond vibes from the yeah. from the first bit.
3: No, when they're going through it, it reminded me of The Kingsman. And I was like, oh, okay, this is kind of, like, I feel like I've seen this before. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so not not Q from the Bond movies. I haven't seen Bond. I, I don't watch Bond, so I... Never watched one episode of it. Wow, uh, episode. I, I guess you're just a little too young for James Bond Jr. Saturday
0: morning's on Fox. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> if it's not James Bond
0: Jr., it's not canon. <laughs> I. Before we move on, though, I would like to just talk a bit about the fight scene in the casino that leads into the car chase because I think that's. That whole sequence just feels really well done, and I appreciate how much it doesn't rely on the shaky cam whip pan stuff that a lot of directors have to do to like beef up action sequences. It feels like sometimes
3: they almost slow it down for the action, and it it makes it even more intense. Like when she, uh, I, I forget her name, but she has the spear and is like gonna like kill the guy. Uh, Okoye is that? Okoye. When she when she like throws him down the balcony and then she just ro- <laughs> throws a trident or whatever not a trident but like a spear through his. it was pretty cool was yeah. that the
4: there's at least one kind of extended tracking shot was that that one where you're just continuously following one character for I mean what feels like a long time in the context of an action sequence
2: it follows the one character but then it follows the other character like it's a continuous or at least cut to be a continuous shot is Sure. Where. Yeah, yeah. So it's actually even more impressive, in my opinion.
3: The one where, like, they start up top and then she leaps down. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, what I know. was talking about, yeah. Okay, yeah. But I remember, I mean, it, it feels like it, it's almost in slow motion, and maybe it's not, but it, it felt like it when I was watching. I thought that was done very well. Yeah, I also I, enjoyed that they were playing craps. Uh. <laughs> Stan Lee? <laughs> yeah, he just Stanley stole Stanley. money.
0: but i just liked that it never felt to me like i couldn't follow what was going on in the action sequence and so i really appreciated that i always knew what was happening at any given moment so how about chadwick boseman we haven't really talked about him yet i googled him
4: because i was trying to figure out if this was like his first big hit or if he'd been in stuff before and one of the like People also ask responses was how is Chadwick been doing?
0: So that no. kind of bugged me out. Ooh. Yeah, um, but he was great in this. He was. He apparently was sick the entire time he played Ugh. Black Panther. It's yeah. like Civil War, even, yeah. and no one knew. I also have like a couple really like close friends of his. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that was upsetting. I think to all of us at the time. But to me, that almost makes his performance even more impressive that he's dealing with this pain and you can't tell and he just plays the character very nobly but like keenly, but also approachable like he's not like a he doesn't ever feel like stuck up or distant or anything like that like, he seems like a good king yeah yeah to the extent there are such things it's definitely a great cast Part of me wonders if it would have been as good as it was if you had had someone less successful in the central role as he was as T'Challa. Because he's just so good. We're going to
4: find out in 2022 when Black Panther Wakanda Forever comes out, I guess.
0: That is true. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're on record as saying they won't recast. Right, exactly. I hope they won't go the terrible Carrie Fisher route. (laughs) Mm. Uh, i
2: can't imagine they would even try
4: yeah black panther needs to go to a cave to die
1: sorry
0: we haven't talked about the queen yet no we haven't talked about the queen angela bassett herself
1: the thing about this movie is like whenever somebody comes on screen you're like oh they're in this movie too (laughs) (laughs) i think when forrest whitaker shows up as like the peak of that that feeling i'm talking about (laughs) It's like, oh, man, they got Forrest Whitaker, too? I'm just...
0: (laughs) For me, it's Angela Bassett. It's like, wow, it's Angela Bassett. (laughs) Right, yeah. So we've talked about it a little bit, but um, let's dig a little bit more into Killmonger's motivation here, because I don't feel like we've done that justice. I think that's one of the standout points of this movie, because
1: more than any other... I think we've already mentioned this more than any other villain. I think he actually is right. Like the things that he does in order to fix the problem are wrong. But I mean, what are, what is, what sort of responsibilities do you have when you're, you know, you have all of these resources and you have the ability to help other people and you don't do it. I mean, he was certainly wrong. His father was killed and he was left without his, I mean, birthright. (laughs) To some extent, I mean, not that the king—not being a king—is his birthright, but being able to live in the country that his family was from. He's not wrong that all these people across the world, like all these black people across the world, are are being oppressed, and that Wakanda has the ability to do something about it and have chosen not to.
2: What comes to mind there is, uh, you know, the idea of all of the people crying out for help and looking down at them and saying no. Mm, You really don't want to follow in the steps of Rorschach from uh, Watchmen. (laughs) 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 I think you're right. Killmonger does have a point. They should be doing something to help. I mean, there is, though. I don't know
0: if it's intentional but there is sort of this feeling that they don't want to advocate revolution because it might make the white audience feel uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) So So you kind of get this respectability politics instead.
5: Yeah. There, there is definitely like a, this is still a Disney
6: movie moments. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Okay. The Oakland scene at the end, like I was deeply disturbed in the theater And watching it again, like, I still feel like this is calculated to drive you insane. It's in Oakland, which is, you know, where the Black Panther Party was founded. And famously, one of the things that the Black Panther Party did was the free breakfast program for schoolchildren. And J. Edgar Hoover was, shall we say, not a fan of the Black Panther Party. Not the most progressive individual
0: in the United States
3: ever.
2: No, and so he and the FBI and the other organizations like the Chicago Police Department, you know, essentially got it shut down with a lot of dirty, you know, tricks. Like uh, uh, I think at one point they were telling parents that uh, the the food was contaminated with venereal diseases. So what I'm trying to say here is. The idea that you're going to do outreach and you're going to make a positive change that way. Like the Black Panther Party tried that and the people in the government didn't like it and they wouldn't stand for it.
4: Well, I'd say we, we haven't seen how this plays out. I mean, it is the ending of the movie. Like, you know, maybe it goes piss poorly. I I think that would be a pretty grim sequel. but. Uh, this is, again, I think ripe for sequel fodder rather than, you know, maybe, yeah, you're supposed to feel good at the end of the movie, but I I don't think we are required to feel good about it. Like, once again, unless this gets brushed under the rug in the inevitable sequel, there is still the potential that this sort of issue might be
0: addressed. I guess my basic point is just because people, well, because people in power specifically were not amenable to this back in 1969 is not necessarily a guarantee that they won't be amenable to something similar in 2018. One other difference I suppose, um, is that the Black Panther Party
4: versus the most technologically advanced civilization on Earth, just within the Marvel Cinematic Universe context, yeah, like, we're talking, you know, about vibranium. Yeah, exactly. They're just going to throw vibranium at the problem. <laughs> I'm lost.
1: But, Doug, I, I think that's a really great point to bring up, though, because I don't think it's any coincidence that you made that connection. Yeah. yeah. That center opening at the end. I think that's deliberate. And I don't want I to I
4: underplay your point, because I think I'm making an argument from the in universe like view of it, whereas disney having produced this as a like you know here's this great thing that we're totally the first ones to think of like when you think of it as like from the movie making standpoint it is like i kind of understand it's kind of gross i guess again i I don't want to dismiss what you're bringing up i'm i'm more tackling it from a in-universe with superheroes that are billionaires and have magical space metal uh perspective yeah and
0: that's That's the perspective I was approaching it from.
2: Okay. I wasn't, yeah, I I definitely wasn't approaching it from a real world. Like, yeah, we should do that. Okay. I follow, I can't quite comprehend it because just, it's so glaring to me. It put like, I can't maintain. I can't suspend disbelief. Like even just sitting there in the theater and I was like, this is your solution. Uh, Basically, you know, the end of an '80s film. I don't, I don't film, know if it was implied as a solution, like, yeah. like, oh, here's the rec Center, step, a step
5: in yeah. a direction. Yeah. Like, it's not right. framed as like it's over now. It's like, okay, we're starting a process of opening up the
0: right. Because then there's the United Nations scene afterwards, right? That establishes that it's not just we're making the center in Oakland. It's like we're doing a whole bunch of stuff.
4: And again, I think if if the sequel. Which will certainly happen if if it just says that all went great and then moves on with its own separate plot line. Like, yeah, then I think every critique is completely reasonable, but I think we at least need to give them a chance to flesh it out before saying like they just threw this idea out there and obviously it was a terrible
0: idea or at least again. That's where oh, I'm, I'm at. I'm And off. I think there is a Black Panther Disney Plus series coming because everything's coming to Disney Plus. <laughs> Disney Plus is ruining <laughs> entertainment <laughs> as we know it, but so maybe that's also a venue where it could be explored a bit more or discussed.
2: Okay, so so moving on from the the fact that this is a CIA propaganda film <laughs> and <laughs> the the climactic battle between Killmonger and T'Challa on the uh, rail bridge thing underground. Yeah. Did did anyone else get kind of like a PS3 cutscene vibe from that?
5: That was like the it, first it, it, time I really noticed the CG actually was like some of the scenes down there, like in terms of, okay, they're, these are fully CG yeah. humans fighting each other swing around the pole you know like they it became very an like a bit more animated looking to me yeah in certain segments down there
2: yeah you know?
5: whereas like i did i i only remember specifically noticing it at that moment because i was like oh i hadn't really noticed it i'm sure there was plenty of it through this whole movie but i just didn't really notice it until now kind of the
4: mildly animated looking humanoids
2: yeah Okay, so it wasn't just me there.
4: No, I I assume they were hoping the darkness of the environment would hide it a little bit more than they did. And yeah, it was a bit glaring. And this is where they're starting to pump out at least, what, three movies a year? Like, I'm sure their CGI resources are just stretched a little bit. This came out just before Infinity War, which I'm sure was where the bulk of their effort was going.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I have to say, I don't know that I really noticed any issues, but that might just be because I was engrossed in the storyline. Um, and, uh, a lifetime of watching Doctor Who has trained me to not. Pay attention to a <laughs>
2: <Okay>. <laughs> Oh, I mean, I guess also the stuff above ground had a little bit of a Dynasty Warriors vibe to it. <laughs> so it was like that whole that whole yeah. third act seemed too video gamey for my taste. But yeah, no, like um, building
5: up your special attack by charging it in your suit and then poof, and you burst yeah, everyone out.
2: He's, he's using the very... AoE attack.
5: That is very, yeah, that is very Dynasty Warriors. Yeah. I, I, I'm i glad you made that connection, because <laughs> now I'm going to think about that every time.
2: Um, I noticed that lighting-wise, all of the scenes seem to have, in addition to directional lighting, they seem to have a kind of diffuse lighting as well, such that you never see anyone, like, half in shadow or anything there's just a lack of shadow throughout the whole film um with the exception of a few scenes like near the end and it was just very i don't i I almost want to say odd it was very noticeable i guess
4: yeah i did pick up on that I can think of at least one counterexample is when Killmonger is burning all the heart-shaped herbs and you see him like backlit like with his like he's in silhouette against it. But again, I guess I can't think of many counterexamples besides that offhand.
0: I wonder how much of that, though, is intentional in that. So one of the things that none of us can speak to is because none of us are black. So we don't know. While we can read about like how black audiences reacted to this movie. We don't. Have that same feeling about it, but I wonder if part of that is just to make it seem brighter, to show like a more hopeful, I guess, version of an advanced African society. And maybe this is where Charlie tells us about Afrofuturism, like he was supposed to research.
2: Yeah. Oh wait, wait, wait! I sent that link to you to research. Did you send it to him to research? Oh, he did. Sure did. I was like, Charlie can do (laughs)
0: some work here. His name's on
1: the podcast. Yeah, so Afrofuturism is a term that came around fairly recently. It was like in the early 90s. And it's mostly just a way to describe science fiction or magical storytelling that has to do with technology uh, as it relates to like African diaspora cultures. So there are going to be black people in the future and they're going to be part of these stories and that they've in a lot of ways been left out. You know, even a lot of music like Parliament Funkadelic, Sun Ra have... Yeah,
0: Sun Ra is the big one I always think of. Space
1: is the place, that movie. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, this is something that, you know, if you've heard about this recently, it's probably because of this movie. This movie is often pointed to as like a big, not... It has a big mainstream Afrofuturism influence. That's one of the things that's great about this movie in a way that I think a lot of the other movies don't have a claim to is that it's, I think just its presence or its existence in itself is kind of amazing.
0: Yeah. But also no, just I that, it, that it, it portrays, so I, this is kind of just bringing back to the lighting, is it portrays this like advanced society as like benevolent and hopeful and so the main characters we're encouraged to think of in positive terms, and that extends to the lighting. Whereas, like, the scene that Kevin points out with the backlit Killmonger, right, that's explicitly the villain doing something bad. The ostensible villain.
1: Right, right.
0: <laughs> so, I wouldn't be shocked if that was a deliberate choice by the cinematographer and the whole crew.
2: Okay, I'll I'll buy that. I was just kind of like, I noticed it, but I don't... Yeah, like, I I was just kind of like wondering... You know, why is all. <laughs>
5: the D Grim
2: Darkification. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and I wonder if too it's a combination of those problems, which I kinda got too. Like the 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 CT backgrounds and the lighting in combination with each other just doesn't quite work, even if that was the effect they're going for. It just seems very well, I mean, I guess it does seem surreal and it's supposed to, in a way. I don't know.
2: Yeah. I don't it, know. it has a little bit of that. Standing in front of a matte painting. Yeah, feel.
1: the stuff, especially in the and the dream, uh, not the dream, but the uh, vision, yeah, vision sequences. Vision stuff. And I mentioned that to Carl when we were watching it. I was like, Ah, oh, this doesn't look quite as good as it, I remember it being in the theater. Hmm. It kind of looks like a matte, like a painted background. And I was like, What? But that could be what they're going for, though. Too like yeah. that's not a bad aesthetic yeah. in and of itself. It's just I kind
5: of I kind of felt the same way. I was like. It's, this feels intentional, but a little, you know, but an interesting choice. Yeah. Maybe it's supposed to convey, you know, a sense of unreality in that way, but it did feel kind of like, oh, that is sort of a flat background. But maybe that was just their way of sort of more or less interpreting a dreamscape to some extent.
0: I think I was too distracted by just enjoying the color schemes in them, in those visions. Yeah. The like purples yeah. and yeah. blacks and stuff. Yeah. I think I, I was too busy admiring that to really pay attention to the flatness of the and I think actors. in the theater too. It
1: yeah it was just I remember being a lot more impressed by it when I was in the
0: theater as well so maybe it's just the maybe we got to be in a black dark room it could be you
5: know yeah, it, you gotta you gotta go to all the websites, tune the color calibration perfectly on your TV, <laughs> get your blackout curtains, you know,
0: make sure your HDR
5: off. tune the HDR perfectly,
0: right? Make sure it's a true four K, not an upconvert. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the idea
1: of Wakanda just to begin with is, and a lot of this is probably drawn directly from the comics. But the idea of a culture that just whiteness hasn't encroached upon it at all, and just been able to develop this kind right. of in its own way and that you just see all of that visually like the costuming and I, I don't know it's just it's such great storytelling just visually
5: I kept thinking what if there was a Wakanda in the real world and how would it play out differently than this and I mean clearly it would play out very <laughs> differently and that they wouldn't have you know in that it wouldn't exist in this world <laughs> as it is but I was, it was almost like well what if there was a thriving North Korea you know? Like, incredibly isolationist, does not let, you know, only select people in, like, kind of keeping secrets, but also had the resources to take care of its people and sort of be be a best-kept secret. North Korea is probably not a good comparison there, but it was the only thing I could think of in terms of, like, a country so isolated intentionally from the rest of the world.
4: North Korea could be that way. It would be the perfect cover, the propaganda we get
5: that's true if they did a really good job it'd be a different (laughs) angle than what for sure sure. (laughs) but but it's not impossible if they were sitting on a bunch of vibranium or or the real life vibranium equivalent they have like a thriving nuclear fusion state going
2: man i want to live in your head You still have optimism.
5: I trust me, I don't, Doug. I just I'm still trying, okay? Okay, fine. I can't I'll give up or else that's dead.
4: He
2: seems to still have it's optimism. not
4: impossible. Yeah, don't have all been burnt out of me just yet. Yeah, don't
5: accuse me of, of anything but false optimism, okay? <laughs> just have we I'm all sorry. have to do our own mental gymnastics to get I'm by. I'm
0: sorry, Paul. So the one other thing I wanted to mention, uh, this is the first superhero movie to ever be nominated for best picture. And uh, I also wanted to bring up what I assume Charlie's been dying to talk about, which was how the Academy floated for about four days. The oh, yeah. idea of best popular <laughs> film.
6: <laughs>
1: yeah. Nobody was interested in that. <laughs> <laughs> the idea that, I mean, immediately it would be like, Oh, that's a either a consolation prize it doesn't really mean it's the best picture I'm like how do you even define what the best popular movie would be or are we just yeah just trying to get something to win to get better ratings like here black panther you automatically win this prize
0: um when was oscar I, so
2: white
1: I, I, uh always but i think yeah that was all <laughs> <well>, right but...
5: <laughs> <laughs> that specific was it was that like 20 that was a little while ago, wasn't
6: it? Uh, Presumably before Black maybe, Panther
4: yeah. got nominated. Yeah, like fifteen, yeah.
5: sixteen,
0: right, but I wondered if best it was probably the year before yeah. partly a hand-fisted attempt yeah. to address <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. Best other
2: films. <laughs> <laughs> the the um interpretation that I saw which was, which really made it starkly clear how bad of an idea it was. Was uh, people pointing out that uh, the Academy was effectively suggesting a separate but equal category,
6: <laughs> <laughs>
2: specifically for Black Panther. Yeah, yeah, that's a valid criticism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah, that. that per- Particular year, that's true. But at least it just would have been whatever Disney movie happened to be released in a given year going (laughs) forward. Just
5: the Disney's best movie category? Yeah. I mean, why aren't they separated by production company already? Like, why don't (sighs) we just do that?
2: (laughs) Well, because in a few years, Disney will own every production company. (laughs) And so it would just be one set of awards anyway.
1: The Disney's, best.
5: It'll just be, award goes to best streaming service. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what's what's your favorite part of this movie that we haven't talked about yet? Any scenes that stand out to you?
5: I really like the first, um, I don't know what, you know, the ritual combat. Um,
0: uh, with M- M'Baku?
5: Yeah, with M'Baku in the beginning. I think just that whole scene going from the sweeping flight into Wakanda to like you're introduced sort of to the, the bustling city streets and then like, you know, moving into that scene where you really get to see the outstanding costume design. I just thought that was a really cool scene, you know, setting up that by the waterfall. I really noticed um when my my favorite character Shuri just kind of like interrupt, you know, kind of breaks the tension and uh and I guess uh the pomp and circumstance of the ceremony. I thought it was interesting that the uh the rest of the people there weren't necessary it wasn't like a full-blown like laughing haha moment it was actually like a oh what are you doing moment (laughs) i don't know if anyone else noticed that but there were actually quite a few people who were like genuinely like disgusted like what are you doing (laughs) and i thought that was cool that it wasn't just like a oh you know everyone here is just like totally on board with this kind of like norm breaking girl here well i think it gave it her character a little more uh I don't know, Wait, I guess, in that situation. And that, yeah, she is kind of like the tech genius of Wakanda, but it's not like entirely a society that fully embraces that.
0: I like the moment where Wakabi's on the rhino charging and then Okoya stands in front and then the rhino licks <laughs> her. Yeah. yeah, you can really
5: feel, it really made me wonder like what a rhino tongue feels like.
1: <laughs> it's your first time wondering that? <laughs>
5: You know, oddly enough, yes. I (laughs) I somehow hadn't thought about that before.
4: (laughs) We've already talked about Killmonger a good little bit, but one of the quieter moments that I did like that I thought, again, just made him an extremely well-developed, we'll call him antagonist, if not villain, um, was his vision when he... I don't know, intakes the heart shaped herb with his father and just his father reacting to seeing how kind of radicalized he's become. I just thought that was extremely well done.
3: I really liked that scene too, because it kind of like, it gave you some important background of like how he came to learn of his origin too. Mm-hmm. Like that, like things were placed for him to find. And I, I thought that was pretty touching.
0: I also like that that one didn't take place on the African savannah plain.
2: Yeah, that was England.
3: really cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They still used like the purple sky
4: theme out the window. Yeah. yeah. I I really like that as well.
2: I really like the scene where uh, Michael B Jordan gets introduced like in the museum because he's just so self-assured. It's a pure delight to watch.
5: Yeah. Yeah, I I really like
2: that scene. Like he just controls the scene. And just, I mean, he is the main guy in it, but he just steals that whole
3: scene. It's so great. I think uh, one of my favorite scenes was um, when we're, um, so we we talked about it, but um, when we're going and like learning about all the new technology and stuff, you know, he's just been crowned king. And then uh, his sister just goes, what are those? (laughs) Oh, I I forgot about that. Like a it was a nod to that that <laughs>
4: meme. It was it was an out of date meme when it uh, premiered,
6: I believe. Yes. Like, yeah, yes. <laughs> well,
4: that's the
5: thing that I I did find I was like, how old was that meme when that happened? Because that's actually you know it, it's it keeps coming back.
3: Yeah. So and I those, was like, this is old. I,
5: that meme is way older,
0: right?
3: Yeah, that meme came <laughs> out in like twenty fifteen. <laughs> wow. Well. So, and right, because none it, of us are ever guilty of quoting <laughs> means to each other. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, that just shows you, like, she's she's with it, like she she knows uh, what would that have been Vine at the time, maybe. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, she she was probably on Vine.
5: She <laughs> there's I have I feel like I have a lot of questions about Wakanda. Like, I want to see more, and I hope that there's more in subsequent films because it's just such an intriguing locale that we don't really get that much of a view of daily life other than, you know, the vibranium mining operations, the brief um scene on the city streets and more like fighting type scenes. But I'd be really interested to see uh what all the we what all the memes are like.
0: So you just want Wakanda the memes? Yeah. <laughs> I- it's the kind of. I always
5: wonder, like, well, they're they're clearly like have kind of cut themselves off from the world, but you know, they they've got to have lots of flow of information, even if it's only one way. How does that work into their meme verse when you can't like share your memes outside of your country? You know,
0: I assume I mean, it just ends up being like a subreddit, R slash Wakanda memes. It's really really insular, I'd... kind of. <laughs>
2: I look forward to your upcoming monograph on the meme economy of Wakanda. Yeah,
5: the the market forces, you know, as they uh, slowly take down trade barriers to the meme economy. (laughs)
1: Uh, The wake throwing got a big reaction. Our showing. (laughs) Don't know if there's much more to say about it than that, but
0: (laughs) it's a great moment. I agree. So ultimately, what did you think of Black Panther? Would you open it up to the larger world and have it become the spearhead of a new initiative to make the world a better place? Or would you continue to leave it isolated and doing its own thing? (laughs) Guess I'm just asking how many Kamoyo beads out of 10 would you give this movie?
3: Yeah, I really really enjoyed this movie. Much like with any of the other MCUs, it's just uh, very well done. I was kind of worried that the hype would kind of ruin it for me but i think that the hype actually um was spot on and because i hadn't gotten any type of uh like spoilers or anything like that like i i really felt like i could watch the movie and 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 truly enjoy it so really uh happy that i that i waited um to watch and uh get kind of a, you know a good uh Good viewing out of it. I think that the casting is fantastic. I really enjoyed some of like the backgrounds, of, like we were talking about the dreams uh, sequence type stuff. Like, really thought that was very well done. Um, and of course, the action was very good. Um, I'm actually I'm going to give this a nine. I think that this is a solid nine. Kimoyo beads.
4: Like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I did very much enjoy this movie the first time I watched it. Uh, with that said, I fully admit that. When I leave, when I left the theater, I I enjoyed it, but I didn't quite quote unquote get it. Like I I liked it, I didn't fully buy into the hype. But with every rewatch, and particularly having rewatched it now in 2021 through the lens of 2020 and all of the things that happened that year, um, as a 30 something white dude, I still can't claim I truly get it. But I think I have a much better appreciation for what makes it such a special movie um i'm gonna give this nine and a half kamoyo beads out of ten so what's the half a bead um maybe like from the outside it looks the same but like all the good stuff on the inside's gone so it's just like broken it's like, it's been uh, replaced with a jawbreaker inside
0: <laughs> <laughs> black panther is a really good movie i really like the cast i like the storyline we talked about this a little bit, but I really do appreciate that the main thrust of the story isn't a very obviously evil person against very obviously good people. Despite the fact that it's happening in this idealized, futuristic African nation, it feels grounded as a story Like in terms of like motivations of characters and how they behave and stuff like that. So on the one hand, I appreciate that. And on the other hand, I it does feel a little bit like... It's one of those movies that's, in those terms, more solid than spectacular, I guess. Um, but I'm worried that by saying that, that sounds like I'm undervaluing how nice it is to have a storyline. That that's where it's a nice, solid, grounded storyline. Because I really do appreciate that. Similar to like what Kevin said, I'm, you know, as a white guy in his 30s, I'm not sure that this hits on the same level for me as a black guy in his 30s who'd been waiting his whole life to see a movie a superhero movie like this i can intellectually relate to that i don't know that i can intuitively relate to that so much which i guess is a way of saying that i could see why someone would give this a 10 but i don't know that i'm going to just because of the things the feelings that i have i think it's really well done and I think just going with my gut, it's probably a 9 out of 10 Kamoyo beats for me. So that's going to put it around the level of the First Men in Black, Guardians 2, Big Hero 6, X-Men 2. Mm, I say that, but now I'm actually looking at my 9.5s. Maybe this actually should be a 9.5 because I've got like Spider-Man 2 there. Thor Ragnarok. I think I might just be scared of 9.5 because those have been my last two. <laughs> We're going to have to start
5: splitting into into 0.25 increments. Yeah. This point, I
0: think. Yeah, actually, I'm going to adjust that up a bit. I'm going to give this a 9.5. Actually, looking at my ratings and what I've rated various movies, yeah, this feels closer to 9.5 in terms of where it lands with the other, respect to the other movies. So nine and a half Kamoyo beats. And yeah, mine's, my actual one's the secret hidden gobstopper.
2: <laughs> we need any of that sugar rush the first two-thirds of this movie are phenomenal like it's amazingly well cast well acted um it's got imaginative setting but really well thought out too and it really hurts me that that like that last act just falls apart for me the video gamey Feeling uh, combat the just the ins- the pure insanity of having the uh, the CIA guy you know help save the day with his drone piloting skills. Each viewing feels like I have to roll a one d twenty and take that many points of sanity damage. And so I I'm gonna have to give this uh, seven and a half kamoyo beads out of ten the the seven are on a bracelet together and the half is just a, a kamoyo bead you know loose in in my pocket it felt like all of the stuff with uh killmonger was you know trying to set up this you know nuanced uh, moral stance and it just never it feels like there's just something missing in terms of the the politics of the ending like it just never has the the courage of its convictions to go beyond just, you know, the the kind of wishy-washy liberalism. Um, don't know that I ever felt that. I guess just my... Jill Longer did nothing wrong. I guess my
0: interpretation was that he had reasonable motivations and grievances, but he chose the wrong way to express them. You know, just the fact that you have a reasonable standpoint doesn't mean you get to be an asshole.
2: I mean, yeah, but...
0: That's more how
2: I took it. Eh.
1: I really liked how they got to the point, too, that Killmonger specifically wants to use the tools and the methods of oppressors against them. He wants to do the exact same thing.
5: He wants to be the bigger fish this time.
1: By not agreeing, by having him be the villain and not waiting out, comes down on the opposite side saying, okay, you, that's not going to work.
0: It might also be worth noting, though, that T'Challa doesn't all doesn't swing to the other side and go like this is why we should be isolationist right
1: exactly yeah he
0: doesn't take the sort of opposite stance yeah
1: he actually that. takes the point
5: I mean he sympathizes with you know he thought the lie was a bad idea
1: so when I saw this movie in the theater we were obviously well into the march already so I was thinking about what my rating would be at that time and I was thinking when I came out of the movie it was going to be a nine point five I I think as a theatrical experience for me there's just wonderful to watch this with other people and have people have the same have reactions to it and everybody really seemed to be enjoying themselves and i (laughs) love really love killmonger as a villain i understand his motivations this is what we were just talking about that in the end uh t'challa is actually agrees with his reasoning but not the way that he actually wants those things to happen um there are a couple of things that i think now, watching it at home didn't hold up as well for me. I mean, just we're talking about the visuals. I think even compared to some of the movies that came before, it doesn't quite hold up with the CG. But uh, overall, I don't think I'm going to change my rating. The costuming was amazing. The sound, the score was great. The soundtrack was great. And I just enjoyed it most of the way through. So, but I agree with Doug. It does get a little bit saggy in the, the third act. But I don't think I can ding it like more than half a point for all of that. That, I mean, all of that being said, because I just enjoyed it that much. So I'm going to give it nine and a half. And the half a bead is the bead that they stuck into Martin Freeman's side to keep him from dying. Right? That was one of those same beads. That was
5: all yeah, it yeah, yeah. All they needed was just, you know, a stabilizing to use bead. a full bead on this guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just keep him from dying. Don't, get, don't waste a full bead on him. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So Charlie, I laughed in the middle of that because you were talking about how uh, neat and positive the movie-going experience was, and you know, as I stated earlier, I saw this in a completely empty theater. <laughs> so maybe that, maybe that kind of worked against. uh you
1: against see it like several months after the initial? Oh or? yeah, yeah. Okay. I saw it yeah, after because yeah. it played for um, a long time.
2: Yeah, like it was already out yeah, on it was... video by the time that I saw it in the oh.
1: theater.
2: <laughs> like, I it's, couldn't believe that it was still running, but I was like, you know what? If they're still going to show it. I'm going to go see it. I I, I I need to see it at some point. <laughs> it was like the first
0: movie to spend number one at the box office for at least five weeks since like Avatar. Like it had a really long tail movie theater wise.
1: Yeah, it makes me wonder, too. And we don't discuss this now about like, how much do we rate based on the viewing that we just had versus previous viewings that we've had? Because the movie theater experience for this was, was big for me.
0: Yeah, I can see that. Like how for the next movie, the, <laughs> the, the theater experience was really, really enhanced at watching kids' reactions at the end and things. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
5: There's a lot to love about this movie. The casting, the characters. Visually, it's generally pretty stunning with some minor CG exceptions that I happen to notice. I do kind of agree with uh dog and charlie and that i i found the third act a little bit less engaged because because i would say yeah the first kind of yeah the first two-thirds of the movie is pretty much perfect but it's almost like yeah the things that i would dock it on aren't necessarily things about the movie itself it's more about its uh place in the real world and the things that uh dog has brought up about the role of the <laughs> cia in this uh when you say what actually the actual events of the end of the movie it sounds a lot worse than uh when you're just watching it
2: uh, that's why it's so insidious <laughs>
5: <laughs> does that affect my worldview no i'm a smart viewer i can watch a movie dumbly and still be smart about it i can only really dock it yeah a half i think it's looking back at my scores it is uh it's it's right up there with the 9.5 of the of the March. So I'm going to give it the uh, 9.5 Kimoyo beads. The half bead is, is uh, for me, I keep it in a drawer just in case. It's actually a gobstopper. It goes in the candy dish.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us on our 60th installment of the Mary Marvel Movie March. That's a lot of movies. Wow. Uh, we hope you join us next time as we move forward two and a half months. It is the... It's not really the culmination of Phase 3 of the MCU, but uh, it's definitely heading that direction. It is Avengers Infinity War next time. A nice, light, breezy, enjoyable time.
1: Nice, light, breezy, like, three hours or something, right, too? Yeah, three hours around now.
0: So I hope you join us for that. Go to the movie theater. Watch Black Widow. Give ScarJo some money. She needs it. I don't know if she needs it so much as she... (laughs) As uh, it's contractually obligated to get it to her.
1: She needs to take care of Colin Jost, please, people. Mm-hmm. That man needs
0: to support him because <laughs> he, he can't support himself.
5: Yeah, he's, he's clearly he's, he's impoverished. <laughs> I always forget about that. It gets me every time. <laughs> I'm just like, what the hell? I mean, it's fine. It's fine.
0: <laughs> so anyway, enjoy the. Uh, The tail end of your summer here, as you listen to this, and we hope to catch you again in a couple weeks when we do something non-Marvel related. Won't that be fun, boys and girls? Yes, it will. (laughs) So, until then, I'm Adam Gobeski. Probably after that point as well, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we don't want (laughs) to. We don't want to get cocky here.
1: And I'm Charlie Wallace. A special thanks to our four successfully challenging guests, Tom Gobeski
2: successfully channel wow okay i'm i'm honored thank you thanks for having me and listening to my uh opinions
1: (laughs) kevin fredevog
2: thanks for having me
1: paul wilcox it was a great time
2: and tony huff yeah it was fun
0: thanks all right next up infinity war a movie that just really leaves you with a smile on your face at the end
2: (laughs) you're really getting
5: me hyped i'm getting ready for a feel-good
2: movie no i mean the, the ending is very serene. I remember that.
1: Thanks again for joining us on another episode of the Gobeski Wallace Report. You can check us out on Facebook or Twitter if you'd like.
0: And of course, you can visit our website, report.com, which features all of our previous episodes, so you can reminisce about the time that Charlie was attacked by a beaver.
1: I don't think that happens. So many memories.
2: didn't you didn't you watch that FIFA documentary at some point? No. Oh, uh, was that a joke then? <laughs> On an earlier episode? What? At one know, point, at one point like a hundred episodes prior, <laughs> you mentioned going to see uh some soccer documentary, some soccer movie. Yeah, I feel like I would remember this if we talked I do about FIFA. I feel FIFA like doc. I
3: remember about the FIFA documentary. <laughs>
5: <laughs> i'm more of a pro evolution soccer documentary kind of guy
2: <laughs> no not
0: me, isn't that e-soccer now or e-football now
2: no 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 not wait what <laughs> didn't they kill that paul
5: oh no it's it's just the other video soccer video game franchise
2: not video games from konami like
5: instead of that's what i was no, talking I, about pro evolution soccer yes i know but sure,
2: they changed sure. it to
0: e-football that's my that, oh really it's not, yeah.
3: it's not. The, the funny thing about i actually do remember adam talking about some fifa documentary and the funny thing is that james spader was also the narrator of that
2: what i can't tell if you're messing with me or not honestly
3: that was that was a joke <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: you got, got nothing you guys i'm done that's it no this more the mandala <laughs> effect thing going
1: you d- you delivered it th- so well, Tony, that I believed you because I have not seen this document. Adam, I think
2: that's <laughs> the Mandela effect. Okay, oh, I see. Welcome, Welcome to that's the joke. <laughs> oh yes, that's
0: the...
2: <laughs> You know, I I can't tell what you guys are joking about or being serious about.
0: Yeah, this now you know segment. what it's every just... conversation with you is like.
2: <laughs> 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 Well, geez, I guess I won't feel bad for the rest of this podcast.
3: Join <laughs> the club. <laughs> okay.
5: We should make a very special episode where everyone is out of out of the loop, and we all have separate conversations
4: with ourselves. <laughs> Who uh, haven't have you seen this movie? I saw, I saw the movie
6: in theaters. <laughs> yeah, just <to laughs> jump right on in. <laughs>